And then are you just kind of randomly going to other places or do you know what things are kind of connected to each other? Yeah, I mean, that's where like the FM stuff comes in, clinical experience comes in. The idea of fascia was just a throwaway topic, right? Like you kind of knew what it was, but you cut it away and you moved on to the next thing. So it was all like, you know, all passion project basically of like educating myself and finding the right people to learn from that I can make sense of like how to help someone that always drove me crazy because I'd been a patient before too and it's like I understand my knee hurts but like why does it hurt in the first place right it's it's stable there's no tear like why does it hurt in the first place Mm -hmm. and so that's what led me down like chasing down this whole rabbit hole of fascia Welcome to Only the Greatest Podcast. If you're feeling stuck and unsure what to do next in your fitness journey, we might be what you're looking for. My name is Philip. I own and operate OTG Fitness, which is a private personal training gym on the south side of Houston in Webster. I do this podcast every week with my best friend, Daryl. We've been friends since third grade and working out together ever since. Also joining us today will be Sean. He's the one that makes this podcast not only sound great, but look good as well. Our goal here is to help Houston make its way up the ladder of health and fitness. So if you're in the Houston area and ready to become the greatest version of yourself, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Yeah. 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 Uncle Sean says we're good. Phil, do you want to bring it in? Um, Does anybody have any questions or I think we're going to anything. Ask okay. <laughs> Perfect. Well, let's bring this thing in. Then you want to right. get us started? Or We always struggle with this. We yeah. always struggle with the new what? intro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we, we have could... the new intro, so we don't have to do We this don't anymore. have to do an intro anymore. So, like, yeah. how do we I get started? Sean, we're make, just... make this discussion the intro. We're in it. Okay. We're, we're, so we're, we're started now. now. Yeah, we are. We're All right. Podcast. Okay, perfect. Welcome to the podcast. Yes. This, well, this is the OTG podcast. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Well, um, well, we have Frank here. And Frank, um, just want to say thanks for, um, you know, everything that you've helped me with. Uh, I've known you for a couple of years now. And you've really taught me a lot. I've learned a lot from you. We have great conversations and yeah. I hope that we can really bring some value into what we're doing, uh, or into the conversation today. Um, I learned a lot yesterday. I <laughs> went to Frank's yesterday and I'm um, going back in a couple of weeks and I already told Sean that we're going to come by. So maybe if we can book that when you have a little bit extra time, sure. um, we're going to film it. I got my whole right leg dry needled Ooh. from the top of the quad into my big toe. And it How's was rough <laughs> i was like sitting there i was like painful? just relax painful is not the right word like you, you know what it, you know what it was it, it uh there was a part of it that i'm sure he was uncomfortable with yes. during session right but it was you know he was definitely having a sympathetic response Oh. You know, when he got off table, it was drenched in sweat. Yeah, it was. Yes. <laughs> so that means yes. whatever we're doing was just heightened to another degree on right. top of, right? Yeah, and pain is not the right word, but I, uncomfortable is well, a good well, word, Well, you I know guess. what it is, is? It's two things. It's, um, A, we are targeting those tissues for a specific reason, and it's because they're dysfunctional. Yeah. And then two, um, you're, you are consciously aware something foreign is right now in my quad yes right yeah Yeah. and so it's like it it doesn't quite hurt but it's you know it's not supposed to be there yeah and you don't notice until when he pulls them out because they're so small you don't really notice it Mm -hmm. but when he pulls them out you feel how long it takes to pull out and you're like oh shit that thing was like in there pretty deep (laughs) like a solid inch or so i mean i don't know exactly because i was not watching but it um, because i was unconscious i just passed out at this point i I was dead (laughs) but usually like uh you know it's funny because like I'll have people who are like all tatted up and they are just like super like uh, nervous about, you know, getting anywhere near a needle. And then, you know, usually it's like if you just like, you know, focus on the fundamentals, talk about kids, talk about family. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, we're done already. And Mm -hmm. it's it's not such a big issue. Dude, you'll be surprised. My my wife has a few tattoos and she when they so we went to give blood one time and they prick your finger to check your iron. 
passed out. When they, <laughs> when they, they, prick, they used a little tool to prick her finger so that She's they could t- get the little strip. She fell, literally fell out on the ground. Oh, so anyway. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, yeah, um, we are going to talk about dry needling a little bit. Probably. Funny. Or go ahead. Go ahead. Funny. I was going to bring the mic a little bit. I was going to bring this in. Yeah. I was going to bring this in by saying a little bit of a funny story on how we, we I guess, changed the agenda. We were just talking about it off camera. So, Phil, go ahead and tell, say what you sent uh, to Frank, and then we'll go that is there. That is a good way. So we were trying to come up with a topic of conversation for right. today to bring some good value. Frank is very knowledgeable, mm-hmm. so we were trying to dial in. And he mentioned uh, fashion. I was like, oh, man, that's a, a good topic. You know, I talk to clients sometimes about fascia, and, yep. you know, because we talk about foam rolling and recovery when you have knots and aches, pain, stuff like that. So I, I, I type up a quick agenda, make a title, and I send it over to Frank for a review. And uh, the what I had come up with is, um, like, what is muscle fascia or muscle fascia explained? And Frank's like, well, muscle and fascia are different things, so we can start by changing the title. <laughs> we'll change the whole title. I was like, well, yeah, well all right. You were immediately <laughs> wrong. That's yeah. why we're here, man. So, yeah. Like, let's, let's, you know, break down barriers. Let's. Uh, get people thinking about their bodies mm. differently. Yes. And, yeah. uh, you know, that leads to a whole cascade of, yeah. like, just good movement, good health, good long-term support. Sure. Yeah, because I've always thought of, and you can just, we'll start here by just straight up correct what I'm saying wrong. So I've always thought of muscle, and I don't know about you, Daryl, because um, Sean wasn't real familiar, I, but I've always thought of fascia as part of the muscle. It's like me, the muscle fascia, the outermost kind of layer thing. That's yeah. what I thought, too. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, so uh, fascia basically is everywhere in your body. So it it will cover uh, muscle, it will cover organs, it's in the joint, in the joint spaces. Mm -hmm. So this is the loose um, network that basically supports all of your body. And so, you know, maybe if you've dissected it out or you've seen it like in a lab, right, like it makes sense. Like you're like, okay, um, this is that outer layer that, you know, is kind of shiny that we're cutting away, right? We're tossing it away. That's actually like why it was so misunderstood for so long because fascia, um, it's the stuff that you would cut out to start getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, uh, organs and muscles. And so it wasn't until they started actually saying, well, why is this everywhere that we're looking in the body. And so um, that's where they started like looking at it in a deeper dive. It started understanding how it influences the body on a different level. But yeah, for the longest time, researchers just kind of thought it was just like gross connective tissue that, you know, served no purpose. Right. And now it's like the opposite end. They're understanding it's more intricate, plays a role in the nervous system. It plays a role in pain. It plays a role in movement. Um, and so yeah, just um, if you just imagine, um, it's the network of your entire body, though. I'm picturing uh, sixth sixth grade science class. We're dissecting the frog in Miss Clark's science class. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Shout out Miss Clark. <laughs> we cut, you know, you cut the stomach of the frog, and yep. then there's this layer that she's like, "All right, now you're going to cut that little thin piece, and you're opening it up, and then you see all the organs." Is that is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. So um, yes and no, right? Okay. So uh, if you think about uh, you're cutting into the frog, right? Like you're going to have to cut through top layer of tissue, right? Mm-hmm. So this is where we think about like the skin underneath the skin will be a layer of, you know, fatty tissue. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have two layers of superficial fascia underneath that is more connective tissue. And then there's going to be a deep layer of fascia uh, that technically is three layers deep. Okay. And, and then you're going to get to the muscle or the organ, right? So, and then, even the organs themselves can be covered in more fascia. And so, um, but the orientation though is, you know, uh, superficial to deep um, before you get into the muscle, it's going to be, you know, skin, adipose tissue, you know, fatty tissue to insulate the body, superficial fascia, more connective tissue, deep fascia. And, And this is where, you know, when you think about the bigger picture of how they like interact with each other, it, it re- actually makes a whole lot of sense. Um, how these things kind of like add up, like little problems uh, add up to bigger problems down the road. Yeah. I, I'm kind of picturing and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Frank, I'm kind of picturing the, um, you called it the network and it kind of got my brain thinking about it. I'm picturing it as, uh, maybe like the, um, uh, how do I say it? Like the casing that holds everything together. Yep. And it, like, you know, if it goes away, 
we would fall into different pieces, perhaps. Um, kind of reminds so, me of sausage so, casing. Yeah, yeah, like so, a sausage yeah, casing. Yeah. Yeah. You can think of it like sausage casing, but um, its role is more important than just uh, providing structure okay. for, for the tissue, okay. right? But it and, does. Is that one function? Yes. Uh, okay, so that that would be one function. All right, sure. Cool. Yeah, and that's why they they kind of dismissed it for the longest time because it was just like, oh, okay, like let's cut through this and let's you know let's get into other things and look at other things under the microscope. Yeah, but it was only until like, um, you know, they 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 were finding it every everywhere in the body, and they're like, okay, why? Like, why is this everywhere in the body? What what is its role? Must what is be its more purpose? to it. Mm-hmm. Super cool. So, um, what happens whenever um, the fascia is unhealthy? Or what, what's the difference that what makes it unhealthy and, and what happens when it is? Yeah. So uh, if you think about the fascia, um, we already kind of talked about the different layers. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you looked at it underneath the microscope, um, if, if you just looked at it under a microscope, it would at first look like it's disorganized. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like it's just random tissue being laid down. But what they realized is, um, you know, if they started to dissect and separate it out, that it's actually like organized it, it, you know, it looks disorganized until they start separating it out. And then they realize that it's actually moving in different planes of motion. Okay. And so this is where it helps transmit stress from one part of the body to the other mm. or communicate from one part of the body to the other. That makes perfect and sense. So multidirectional. Multidirectional. Because yeah. even if we're running, right, you guys are getting ready for the race, right? Yeah. You're running forward to the finish line. But you're moving in 3D space, so it's not just front to back, sagittal plane. You're, you're, you know, you're rotating in 3D space, and that means that your body has to process that information. Part of that process is fascia sliding and gliding amongst or against each other mm-hmm. freely to produce efficient movement. And so, um, you know, in a perfect world, right, like that fascia will move freely mm-hmm. in as many different directions as it it's supposed to so that you can perform at your best. Right. But if there's dysfunction, all of a sudden there's a kink in the chain. Mm, okay. And, and that kink is in theory, the starting point of cascade effect towards, you know, unhealthy fascia or worst case scenario injury. Yeah. And <clears throat> so is back to like what exactly it is, is fascia from an organ perspective, fascia to the skin perspective, fascia to a skeletal muscle perspective. Are each one of those different? Are they all the same? Do they have different layers? It's all going to be the same. Um, What happens is in between the layers, this is where it's um, super important, okay? Um, In between the layers, there's a hyaluron, and hyaluron plays a role in lubricating in between the different layers. And so when hyaluron's happy, um, it's gonna, uh, it's gonna, you know, attract water to it. Mm-hmm. That way it acts as a lubricant, yeah. uh, throughout any part that it's supposed to. So basically what it does is it fills in the space and it helps lubricate so that there's free movement, right? When it's unhappy, it starts to repel water. And so instead of it being, uh, moving freely like lubricant, uh, it starts to congeal almost like, um, like a thick soup, mm-hmm. right? And so what will happen is naturally it'll start to compress and approximate towards each other. And then it, uh, the other thing is the hyaluron will cascade. If one of them's unhappy, it'll start telling everyone around it to be depressed. <laughs> okay. And so what you end up having is like this cascade effect where now everywhere around that starts to be affected. And it's, it's a bigger and bigger cascade to where now there's less slide and glide. Now there's less space in between uh, the slide and glide to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and on the, you're saying that it, it feels bad, it's unhealthy and it starts to spread. You mentioned that in, in Daryl's reference of like sausage, or Sean's reference of sausage casing. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that it does. So obviously when it's quote unquote unhealthy, <clears throat> this casing is not doing as good of a job as it could be. But what other functions is our body relying on due to the fascia? Like what else is yeah. the fascia doing? Yeah. And then we can talk about like w- what happens in a negative manner for all these functions that are related to the fascia. Yeah. So, um, think of it like this exists everywhere in the body and we're, we're thinking about it in terms of movement. Right. But Mm -hmm. the reality is within all those different layers, there's still, you know, arteries, veins, there's nerves, free nerve endings, tendons, I'm sure tendons, ligaments, 
we think about like the big nerves, right? Whenever uh, we think about pain, but the reality is, you know, the free nerve endings, uh, any of the, um, you know, any of the uh, sensors on the free, uh, free nerve ending receptors, all of that's information driven to your brain to give an idea about how healthy or um, how unhealthy something is functioning. And so when we think about fascia, you know, we should be thinking about, do we have an optimal environment for the rest of the body to do its job? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we deal in our office specifically with movement-based problems, but it doesn't mean that it couldn't apply to other areas of the way that your body uh, moves or performs. Okay. Does that makes sense. So I'm, I'm envisioning a, a unhealthy fascia um, as far from a movement perspective, it could limit mobility and performance ultimately cause uh, some type of imbalance. And then worst case scenario, you can get an injury right. because your fascia is that's, not. That's like the chain of events that's yeah, following yeah, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Uh, I always draw this out. I, I'm like the worst drawer. God, Frank's <laughs> a great artist. You should see his whiteboard. <laughs> but uh, it, it's always on the whiteboard. But uh, yeah, we work off of the I3 model and it's, it's pretty simple. Um, Cause if we think about unhealthy uh, fascia, you know, you can think of some of the obvious things like a true injury. Hey, I went running, I twisted my you know foot in a pothole. There's some sort of trauma involved, right? Or, Hey, like I had surgery, I haven't moved my shoulder in months. There's immobilization involved. You would kind of understand like there are specific structures involved that need to be addressed. Um, if we're thinking about uh, fascia in a movement perspective, that's unhealthy the cascade for the things that aren't quite obvious um, start off always with incomplete uh, mechanics. Okay. And so this is going to be like a lack of range of motion, a mm -hmm. uh, lack of control. Like maybe you move well, but you just don't uh, control that movement. Right. Um, and then, you know, if those things are in place, what ends up happening is it leads you to uh, the possibility of having an incident. And the incident is where it's like, oh, okay, like I worked out, but I tweaked my back. Right. Now I laid off the weights for like two or three days, you know, did some homework, quieted down, and now I'm back into the gym. The, the problem with that is, you know, the body will adapt, but if you have, you know, poor movement or compensation movements, right, mm -hmm. over time, that incident will keep happening again and again and again. The body will uh, do something poorly, mm -hmm. you know, a thousand times, maybe a hundred thousand times, but one time too many, and it will it will say, no, we're never going to do this again. And that's yeah. where you fall into like the injury. Yeah. Um, I had a, a, a kindergarten teacher who uh, was a power lifter and he came in to see me because he bent over to grab his, uh, his sandwich that was in his lunch bag on the floor. Oh, man. And he said, I tweaked my back and it hurts and I don't know what's going on. And so <laughs> I told him, uh, you know, do you think, you know, that you hurt your back grabbing a sandwich? Uh, like, that was a you know, you're, you're used man. to, you're used to <laughs> lifting heavy things. Hey, that might have been a big one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I need like this a, sandwich. Like a double meat, triple meat, triple cheese or something. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But like the idea though, is like, it wasn't the sandwich, right? right. It was the 1,001th time that he bent over and lifted something poorly, yeah. right? That the body said, nope, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's usually a cumulative effect though. The easy stuff <laughs> to figure out is like, Hey, like, you know, I fell down and I hurt this, right? Like yeah. there's a clear like connection for that. Um, I think the tricky part, and I think clinicians aren't, they're not, uh, it's not that they don't care. I just don't think that they understand how to look deeper for like root cause stuff. Okay. Super cool. So let's roll into the next little topic here. How do we keep it healthy? How do we keep our fascia healthy? Um, other than um, I'm going to assume some good stretching before, uh, making sure that our um, we're moving in a balanced way, right? We're not favoring a certain side. Sure. But I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you talk more in deep, more yeah. in depth. And I, I just want to, <clears throat> and obviously you explain, but I want to look at this from two different perspectives. When keeping it healthy is being proactive. Yep. And then we, you just spent ten minutes talking about injured, which would be a reactive situation. But we want to get back to healthy. So can we kind of maybe approach this question that Daryl's asking from a I'm healthy now and I want to stay that way sure. versus an injury perspective where I'm trying to get back to yeah. healthy. You kind of two different situations, self maybe versus professional help, self-help versus professional uh, help. No, not necessarily just saying, 
you know, I, I'm, I want to stay proactive. Somebody's listening to this. They, they yeah. they're not hurt. No yeah. injuries. I feel good in the gym, yeah. but I want to make sure I don't get hurt. Yeah. Okay. That's proactive. Right. And now yeah. let's also think about it from a perspective of, ah, uh, you know, hamstrings been a little tweaky for yep. the, you know, doing some squats the other day, my hamstring just something doesn't quite feel right. Mm-hmm. So like what, these are two different situations going on here. Right. But as we're talking about what keeps it healthy, can we maybe look at it from both those perspectives? Yeah. So uh, remember we were talking about how uh, hyaluron will kind of congregate with each other and now there's a kink in the slide and glide system, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So um, it, it's pretty interesting because, um, you know, all it takes is for us to start to wear down and break down one of the kinks and then the cascade effect happens again in the opposite direction ah. where it's almost like tempered glass, like if you if you just hit tempered glass once, all of a sudden it's this spray effect, right? right? It's the same idea with the hyaluron once it kinks. And so this is where being proactive, you'd want to think about staying ahead of the curve, mm-hmm. you know, uh, managing uh, fascia, soft tissue before the kinks develop. But if you notice that you do have kinks, then this is where you can't just ignore it and hope for the best, right? Like you you address it. And then you come back and you assess it again and then you address it again. And so if we think about like uh, tissue, like if I, you know, push into my arm or my forearm, you know, it should have some bounce, should have some give, should not say ouch, right? right. And so ouch indicates there's some sort of dysfunction and it mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't say how severe it is, but there's some sort of dysfunction. And so this is where if you're doing a proactive approach, you should be thinking about, okay, well, um, does anything call my name right now? Like I had my run, is anything calling my name right now? And if it does, then address it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't just like ignore it and go to bed and hope that it's better tomorrow. Um, and then, you know, the second part of that is don't just look where it hurts because that might not be actually where it's coming from. Right. And so if you're doing it yourself, then, you know, you think about some of the traditional things that, uh, people kind of do, like you mentioned stretching, yeah. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, some sort of active dynamic warm up prior to activity, that's going to be a must. But if we're talking about static stretching, um, that's not actually going to, the way most people dose it is not going to actually, um, affect the fascia the way that they think it does. Okay. Um, so let's go around the room and use this as an example. Uh, if you guys are, are doing your favorite stretch for, uh, for your run, right? Mm. How long are you holding that stretch? So, um, if I'm being honest, less than 20 seconds. For okay. Me. Yeah. Uh, that's Phil. Uh, I know le- it's wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I've learned from you. And so I do my dynamic stretches before I work out. They're not, uh, I don't do very much static things. Yeah. But even in general, even with the dynamic stuff, it, it's not enough. And I already know in, in, if I'm doing like a stretch, a static stretch post workout. Um, unless I'm following what you told me to do, um, <laughs> it's going to be like 30 seconds, 60 seconds at most yeah. to, to be kind of bored, you know, I'm yeah. bored in that stretch. It, it, it's, you know? it's not, it's not fancy. Yeah. 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 I'm like 30 to 60 as well. 30, yeah. Yeah, 30 to 60. Mm-hmm. And so like most people, um, they'll get in their quick stretch, uh, post-workout, right. If they're, if something's tweaked or it's part of their plan, um, they might talk about the 30 to 60 seconds. What ends up happening is. Um, you know, 10 seconds feels okay by 30 seconds. Uh, maybe some of the uncomfortableness, uh, the aches and pains that starts to die away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time range, you're, you're really just affecting the free nerve endings that are uh, saying, oh, okay, this actually feels better. And so since it feels better, we stop. Plus, you know, static stretching is kind of boring, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you actually want to truly like deform the tissue and, and get the response you're looking for, you, you need to dose for at least like two minutes. Okay. Okay. Two minutes. Um, we just came through. Uh, we just came through uh, Thanksgiving, right? So I, I always use this as a as an example. So it's uh, Thanksgiving week. Uh, you're stuck going to the store getting the turkey for the family, and uh, you know there's two parking spots. One is uh, right next to the handicap in the front. One's way in the back because everyone's at the store. Okay, so you buy the 30-pound turkey. Um, they single bag it because they've run out of bags, right? And you're walking to your uh, from the cash register to your car parked in the front. That's the 30-second stretch. Yeah. Uh, but you walking all the way to the back, you know, you're carrying 30-pound turkey, in, and by the time you get to your car, 
you're kind of cradling it underneath, mm-hmm. the handle starts to stretch mm-hmm. and deform. That's that's the effect that we're looking for when okay. we're talking about dosing. Okay. So um, it, it's it's not that people aren't typically doing the wrong things. They're just not dosing it the right way. And on that note, uh, talking about it two minutes, can you explain the pales, rails um, <laughs> situation? I kind of looked it up a little bit. I yeah. know you talk about it a lot, and that's kind of what you assigned for me for my current situation with a couple of things. So can you talk about what it is, the two minutes on, the time off, and then you know sure. the readdressing for another 30 to 60 after the initial two minutes, kind of maybe talk about how that works and what exactly that does, you know, specifically to the fascia. Yeah. So this comes from, um, the functional range conditioning world. Um, so, um, the idea is, um, we're, we're still going to dose, uh, for the two minutes because we're looking to induce some sort of change, right? Mm -hmm. So 30 seconds is here. Two minutes in theory is going to get you here, right? To create change. What ends up happening though is, uh, let's say, uh, let's say I had frozen shoulder and I had surgery and I'm immobilized for like six months. Right. So for six months, I've never moved my arm past this range, but all of a sudden I do, uh, I, I do some, uh, you know, mobilization. I stretch it out for two minutes a day. I'm starting to get increased range over my head. Right. But my, my brain has no concept, no idea how to actually control anything out here. Cause it just, it has no f- reference frame point for that. And so the Pels Rails really is meant to bridge that gap uh, by inducing isometric contraction to start to build, uh, you know, a mind-muscle memory uh, motor control pattern so that if you ever get back here where you haven't been in a while, you actually start to develop uh, true mobility. That's the difference between flexibility and mobility. I was just about to ask, is, that sounds to me, after like, we had uh, Dr. Matthew Brackney yeah. on a couple weeks ago, and we talked all about um, yeah. mobility we, and we stability. Yeah, and we went together. Yeah, and, we, <laughs> and um, y'all have very similar approaches. I've learned a lot from me to you guys. And he talks a lot about the difference between mobility and flexibility. Yeah. And what you just mentioned, and I, I was going to ask, you already answered, but I was going to ask is, uh, is that the difference? Because it sounds to me like the different flexibility says, yeah, I can get there. Yep. But mobility says, yeah, I can get there and I can perform. I own it. Yes. Yeah. Control a hundred percent. And so uh, in, in terms of, you know, non-injured uh, people, right? Like we should uh, screen ourselves and figure out like where those deficits might exist so we can start to, you know, work on those ourselves. Right. But in the world of like, recovering from an injury or, you know, you're worried that something's going to cascade into a bigger injury. This is where, you know, dedicated work towards that problem mm-hmm. really comes into play. And, um, so we talked and, about and stretching or go well, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was yeah. just going to finish with the, the Pels rails part, right? Okay. So, uh, Pels is uh, progressive angular loading and then rails is re- regressive. So first we're opening up that range. Mm-hmm. Now what we're going to do is we're going to induce a contraction on both sides of the joint so that the, the, the brain understands how it's supposed to move on either side of that joint. And so, you know, you, you guys might, uh, you know, scoff at the idea of isometric loading, but like, you know, when you ramp it up, uh, you know, past a certain threshold, like it can be very demanding and, uh, yeah. it's a very neurologically demanding, um, uh, you know, contraction. And so, you know, all we're doing is we're training the body to be adaptable, to have better control. Don't freak out if you ever like, you know, uh, get into this space again. Now we have experience in the space. Yeah. And so pales, just a quick review, make sure everyone's understanding pales is the progressive part. So that's where you're the initial, the stretching part, right? And then the rails, the second part of that is be the regressive part. So you go out of that stretch to the opposing direction. Yeah. So we're, yeah. And, and that's yeah. all we're doing. We're just, we're just building uh, more and more range into that space. Mm-hmm. And so what we'll do is um, we'll typically think about dosing it uh, for an initial round, right. An initial set. Um, but realistically, you know um, you can do another set at uh, a lower intensity mm-hmm. and still capture like another five or 10% of range of motion, right? Like it's, it's like trying to squeeze out just a little bit more out of the session yep. before you, before you move on to the next. Thing. So in an ideal world, two minutes on, I guess it depends on the person, right? So this is sure. not a, this is not a prescription for anyone, but just to make sure everyone understands two minutes on the stretch and then 30 seconds 
for you 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, this is not a prescription for anyone, but yeah. yeah. Um, and, and this is yeah. where it's all case, case right. specific. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, someone might come in like, you know, they just fell off, uh, fell off a ladder and they're, working through that same process, but 30 seconds might be too intense, right? Okay. 50% isometric contraction might be too intense, mm-hmm. right? Um, the idea though is, you know, it can be within, within any range that's missing, right? So it, it doesn't have to be a uh, point specific. And if you just understand the ideas, then you can apply it to other parts of your bodies too. Right. Yeah. And, and so after you come off that, then you go back into it to get that extra five to 10%. Yep. Right. And then how does that compare to, we talk a lot about stretching. How does that compare to foam rolling? So, uh, foam rolling is going to be, uh, really about that density. Okay. So remember we talked about, uh, the kinks in the fascia that start to develop and, you know, the kinks, remember though, it's an environment for nerve endings uh, that start to complain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the hyaluron that starts to get grumpy, it will complain too. And so the foam rolling is meant to address muscle density or uh, tissue density. And part of that is fascia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So remember we talked about uh, the cascade effect with the tempered glass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have that uh, hot spot, so to speak, and you foam roll it, in theory, it's going to start to loosen up over time and get less sensitive, right? So that now it's now it's more supple and now it can move more freely in whatever direction it's trying to, and so um, I, I've seen every, a lot of different techniques for foam rolling. Uh, I'm happy people are trying it. Um, I just don't think again like um, uh, the, the consistency is really where I see where the the problem is with foam rolling, right? Like people will tell me I'll foam roll. I say okay, like when, and they'll say well like whenever so and so flares up. Yeah. Um, but the idea for us is like, uh, stay ahead of that curve before the flare up happens in the first place. How much is enough? Uh, there can be too much. Uh, and, and because what you're doing is almost like a controlled, uh, you know, you're, you're breaking up that, uh, the kinks, right. And so it's almost inducing a controlled inflammatory effect. And so, um, you can have too much that will, push you into the other threshold of like, oh, now it really hurts. Now it's inflamed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, we, so, and then sorry, sorry to interrupt, but now when you say, ah, oh, now it really hurts, <clears throat> you're meaning like too much at one time or that's not necessarily too frequently, no. but it would be, you're doing a particular muscle group for right. too long during one session. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And like I, I had one guy who, uh, he had, spent like an hour and a half he told me (laughs) foam rolling glutes and quads and hams right and he came in he could barely walk the next so that's too much that's too much (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh and i applauded him just kind of hanging hanging out over there what is he doing (laughs) in an hour but yeah he said he was watching the news and just going you know just uh, just working on the foam roller roller. but but, uh yeah that that would be too much right okay and and everyone has a, a threshold or a cascade but like the idea is um, we are going in and inducing some sort of change, which means that there's some, there's going to be some sort of inflammatory response. Yeah. So we know an hour and a half is too much. Um, 10 minutes uh, on a particular body part, uh, once a week, twice a week, three times a week. Uh, so what I would say is um, pick a part and I would at least uh, plan for five minutes per region. Right. So if I'm working my quads, I'm going to work five minutes of this quad. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Even if it's, you know, the only thing that's quote unquote calling my name, it's it's screaming out to me. I'm still going to spend the next five minutes working my other side. Right. Because I'm going to try and get symmetry or balance. Right. I know something is overloading this side, even though my left side is not complaining. The chances are there's some sort of overload going on, too. And so we're going to try and balance that out. And if I have a limited amount of time, am I maybe, so that's 10 minutes in total. Sure. Let's say I have 10 minutes a day. I'm already working out. I'm running. Obviously I have work, kids, all that kind of stuff. Is it okay to do it five minutes at a time once a week? And then tomorrow I do my hamstring. The next day I do my quad. The next day I do my lats and then kind of start over. So, yeah. So that's what we really promote. Um, Just pick a problem and work a problem every single day. Okay. Um, Even if nothing's hurting. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I'd much rather have someone who does three minutes versus none, right. Or three minutes, uh, every single day versus I only do it the next time it flares up. 
Mm. Yeah. And I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but it was really just to kind of get to wrap up to this point that you actually taught me a long time ago. I've never forgotten (laughs) is did I draw a picture for it? I don't think you drew a picture in this situation, (laughs) but if you would have, I definitely remember. So uh, I'm going to say, no, you didn't, but you explained it in a way because I was asking you these same questions, obviously not like not on, we were just talking and you mentioned a list. So you have a list of like, whether it be past injuries, past things that have been in, that have been an issue in the past, you likely still have some type of small trauma from that. So you have a list for me, it would be like that right quad, right shin, right calf type of situation. So if nothing hurts, if I feel great, I'm still going to hit those things for my five minutes. hundred percent. So we're going to go like two, two versions of an extreme idea on that. Right. Um, I once, uh, you know, tweaked my, uh, elbow, like whenever I was walking my dog as a kid, right. That's a minor trauma that there was no in theory, long lasting change. Right. The other extreme is I had surgery Mm. on my ankle. And so both of those things in turn, uh, may have healed properly, but post injury, the body will move differently because of it. And so this is where, um, you know, we, a, we take a full body approach when we are looking at problem solving in the office, but realistically, um, if you know, you have your list, then you're going to go into your own history and say, okay, what are the things that really stand out to me that like, I never want to go through again. Right. Mm -hmm. What are the things that constantly come up that I'm having to tweak and fix? And then the, um, all you're going to do is you're going to prioritize it. And so, you know, for me, I've had right ankle surgery. So guess what I think about right lower leg, right? That's going to be top of my list. Um, and then everything else is going to fall underneath that the way I rank it. So if I'm going, if I'm completely healthy, nothing's hurting, I'm going to work on something that's going to affect my ankle. Right. And then the next day I'm going to work on something that's going to affect, uh, you know, my thigh because it's going to be leading in the same area towards my ankle that I had surgery on. But then if tomorrow I tweak, you know, uh, my wrist, then that's going to be the priority until it quiets down again. Right. So you're constantly like working on something, but you're doing it in a systematic way to where nothing's, you know, getting ignored. Yeah. And you're also not spending like your whole life an hour and a half on any one thing. You're just kind of rolling through your punches, Yep. you know? Um, Okay, cool. Um, well, I've, I've we kind of move on, but do you guys have any questions on foam rolling? Man, he before? nailed it. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm chilling. Okay, <laughs> all right, cool. Um, I guess, I guess so. Per- let's percussors, same idea. Oh yeah. Um, uh-huh. Percussor, you know, um, I see people use it. They're just not consistent with it, um, and they're not thinking about the big picture. So, you know, a lot of times they'll say, well, I'm working on my hip, but I didn't realize that this thing in my lower leg was a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So don't just focus on, um, you know, where it's obviously hurting you. Start to really think and explore where else it might be connected um, and and work away from that. Any advantage to percussion guns over a foam roller? Let's say someone's Mm -hmm. like on a budget and they're like, I got to get one of these things or the other. Obviously percussion guns cost more foam rollers are are really cheap and easy to find, you know? Uh, I mean like, so it depends on the client, but realistically for like, we use foam rollers. Um, honestly, like I give lacrosse balls to people like all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's like our go-to tool because it's, you know, it's, it's, you can use it in so many more different spaces and contexts. Right. Um, but like for percussor, I would tell you, um, one, you know, you can get a family member to help you uh, tweak some of the other parts that, you know, you might not be able to reach or work on with a foam roller. Um, and then, two, it allows you more freedom to actually focus on, um, you know, any one particular hotspot that maybe it'd be uncomfortable to use a foam roller on. Yeah. Uh, actually, Dr. Bracken, you did teach me this. He said the cool thing about percussion guns is that you can, um, or foam rolling and Percuss, uh, percussion guns either way doing a similar thing but if you can stretch a muscle while you do it like the effectiveness kind of kind of goes up a little bit and so the cool thing about percussion guns is you, you can, can you hold can, a stretch and then some a, a third party yep. can come in and you know uh, hit you with a percussion gun while you're stretching like say your outer hip or your glute or something yep. you kind of do a stretch well, and then well, someone does it. well same idea though with um it doesn't just have to be static though right like you can dynamically be moving while you're I've using seen, the, I've, the, the I've never seen that yeah I've seen yeah that. and yeah. so you know like hit mobility and stuff yep. like that i've seen you can use yeah. you know anatomy 
anatomy as your guide and just say, okay, well, I know this joint's supposed to move a certain way, so I'm going to move it while I'm hitting up the tissue. So like a leg it. extension as I'm using the percussion gun yep. on my quad. Yep. Mm. Wow, never thought about it. Yep. And, you know, just think about, um, you know, the percussor uh, is basically going to, you know, be the self-maintenance so that you don't have to pay someone like me to use my hands or my needle to do it for you. Oh, yeah, sure. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And that's kind of a perfect segue into the yeah. next thing we were to talk about is let's say foam rolling or percussion gun, someone's doing it and it's not working for them and they decide to reach out to someone like yourself. Yeah. Like what kind of techniques are you using in in the office to, to help with fascial adhesions or, you know, muscle issues in general? Yeah, so a couple of things is um, – you know, our whole mindset is based off of um, the FM model, fascial manipulation by Stecco. Um, it's absolutely amazing. It will change the way that you think about your body. Um, I encourage you guys to, I tell all my patients and clients the same thing. Like, go buy this book. Uh, you don't have to have a deep, you know, understanding of science because there's plenty of slides that kind of break down the ideas and concepts. Uh, I accidentally bought one that was in Italian and I still <laughs> kept it while I waited for my English one to <laughs> nice. come in okay. uh, because uh, the idea though is, um, you know, if you needed manual therapy, then we do the FM model. And so that's uh, basically, we will take a look at a problem for a whole body approach. And the idea is we're trying to create an ideal movement environment to resolve issues. And so the, under the FM model, um, they basically break down uh, the body into X amount of segments. And at every segment, there are six points of uh, coordination. They're called CCs. And so um, at any of these CCs, this is where uh, through research and uh, years and years of work, they've figured out or theorized that these are the points where lines of stress intersect in the body, right? And so if you go and assess the CC and it's, moving freely and it's not painful, then guess what? There's freedom of movement at that CC. But if you go and assess the CC in that segment of the body and it says, ouch, right? It does not have bounce or give. Mm -hmm. And it says, ouch, that's dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, going back to don't just focus on what, you know, seems like the obvious elephant in the room, you know, they take a full body approach and they try and map out, not just where the problem is, but what the framework leading up to that problem is. Um, And then, you know, you can use manual therapy with your hands to address those or uh, dry needling, right? Mm -hmm. And speaking of, I have a specific question about dry needling, and then I wanted to mention something else. Um, With dry needling, and we just, we talked to Dr. Katie Van Wagenen. I I don't know if you're familiar with her, but we talked for an hour and a half all about dry needling and um, until I actually, we, we did it, we actually did it yesterday and people have been asking me about it <clears throat> and I, I've kind of explained it and definitely this, if I sound stupid when I say this, it's okay. You can tell me, but see when I was asking about it and they were asking me questions like, man, I don't really know how to answer this question, you know, but uh, they were like, how does it kind of like, how does it feel? And I was like, well, consider, uh, you know, manual therapy, like a massage, like comparing it to a massage. Yeah. I was like, think about getting a massage from the inside. Yeah. Is, is that, is that, am I even on yeah. the right track or is that just completely idiotic? Yeah. No, no, no. Like you're, you're on point, uh, because, uh, this is why, uh, again, we always promote, uh, even when people are done with their care plan with us, we always promote like self-reliance. Like, don't like, don't rely on me. Don't rely on anyone else. Rely on yourself. Take mm-hmm. care of yourself. Come back and see us if and when like you reach a point where you can't right mm-hmm. um see us for the next big thing um but what it'll, what will end up happening is if you foam roll and you use the percussor you are influencing all those different layers that we talked about right you're, you're trying to create a good work environment for your body um the difference is if you get a professional to do it um we're going to be more targeted with where we're working versus just kind of shotgun approach mm-hmm. The other thing is we're going to focus more on depth, right? And so something like a massage is going to be superficial for sure, right? That's why it feels so good, right? It's superficial layers being affected. You're not impacting any of the deep layers. Like the outermost layer. And we yep. talked about at the very beginning, fascia is multi-layered. Multi-layered, yeah. right? Like so you got uh, skin, adipose tissues, two layers of superficial fascia, three layers of deep fascia, right? And then muscle, right? Mm-hmm. So um, when you're getting a massage, it's going to affect the superficial layers. If you're going to do uh, cupping, it's going to affect the superficial layers, superficial layer of fascia too, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're doing manual therapy, now we're getting deep to, to, to you know. And when you say manual th- therapy, like if you're looking on a camera right now, you see Frank's got his thumb, like a thumbs down, like digging in kind right. of thing. But can you define manual therapy for us? Well, manual therapy is where we're going to use our hands to target tissues to make them move better, right? right? During the healing process, during, during recovery. And so, you know, the idea for us is, you know, we're going to sink to depth. That way we can influence that tissue as, as best as possible. And then from there, we might induce, like we do, you know, uh, some sort of motion, right? That way we can kind of work through that whole line of stress. Um, you know, my thumb is awesome <laughs> to reach those spots and, and sink to depth, right? But it's still a very broad surface area versus I have a needle <laughs> that's very pinpoint, Mm-hmm. All the way down where we know we're trying to target. And 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 then that needle is kind of like you said, it feels like kind of getting a massage on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's because it's trying to affect, you know, all those different layers of tissue, but at its deepest layer. And, you know, the, the needle itself is kind of misleading because it's, you know, it's a, a sterile, you know, really thin needle, right? Length is different depending on body part. But... It's influencing not just where the needle is, but everything around that needle, right? So it's it's, it's actually you know in three D space, it's it's creating that kind of controlled um, that controlled breakup that we're looking for. That way, the body starts to heal through inflammation, and you know this is where in a in a you know rehab prehab kind of situation, you're trying to induce good movement pattern behaviors through your homework while your body's healing, so that it it will function better long-term. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I can relate to, to what you're talking about with it affecting the area around it. Cause I noticed, <clears throat> excuse me, geez, whenever uh, you have the needle, especially, I don't remember, it was probably in the quad. I mean, like in, in the, and I, I'm, I'm not the best with anatomy, but your quad obviously is four parts, right? But the lower left, like what they call like the teardrop part of the quad. Um, I think you had a needle in there, but my entire quad from knee to hip was like, you know, shaking and pulsing, right? Even though you had this little, I don't know how, how what's the diameter yeah. on these things? Do you know? Oh, it's super small. Yeah. Super yeah small. Tiny, tiny, yeah, tiny. And, and the needles I use were like two inches. And so I probably had like an inch and a half. Oh my uh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like, like, that's what I mentioned earlier is when he's pulling them out, like you can feel that depth, but on the yeah. way in, you can't feel the depth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what we ought to do when you come record, mm-hmm. we ought to get a close up view when, when we uh, insert and when we release the needle, because we might even see like, um, sometimes you can see the fascia is so angry mm-hmm. that it will, it will grip onto that needle. Really? <laughs> and so you'll see like a tenting effect at, oh, at, as, you, as you're pulling through. Oh. Yeah, wow. th- there's been a couple of times where um, I wouldn't say like a needle got stuck, right? But it's like, it, it, it's just so tight and the patient is just kind of like, you know, on edge, they're anxious, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, like, let's pull this other needle first and then we'll come back to this one at last. And is that something that you just kind of gotten with experience on like how to kind of figure that out or? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, when we're removing needles, it's always systematic. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can make sure we're keeping track of what needle is where, right? We're not leaving anything behind. Um, but yeah, like the reality is you're going to get feedback from whoever you're working with that way. They're comfortable. Is sure. That, is that something that eventually will like loosen up or is that like you had one patient that always just has this super difficult to work with fascia? It, it will loosen up. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, so it's not a permanent thing. Okay. Nah. okay. Cool. Another thing uh, with, with using a professional that I've noticed and I've had, uh, only one, I guess, major injury. Well, I, I've torn both of, I don't know about tear, but I've blown out both of my hamstrings in the past, but a few years ago, I hurt my back pretty bad. And, um, I learned, I went to an, an Arosti, um, place. Are you familiar with Arosti? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I went there and, uh, I had this real bad low back. It was actually a, a lumbar strain. I don't know if I've told you this or I pro- I'm sure. I don't, I don't remember an Arosti story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Arosti, I had done all kinds. I had done cupping. I had never, I'd never did night needling at this. And this was like six years ago. This was about six years ago. Um, and this is when I learned that the most important thing when you're working with a real professional like yourself or, or anyone is actually figuring out what's going on in the full body. You mentioned the full body approach, and that's kind of what I want to cover here is when I went to Arosti and I had this low back pain, not only was he working on like my hip and stuff, which I imagined, but it was like a lot of quad work as well. And a lot of 
abdominal. Yeah. And then I noticed that yesterday as well yeah. when I went to your place and we were talking about my toe and my shin splint. Yeah. We did some abdominal work as well. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you have, if there's anything in particular, I don't have a particular question, but I think that a big thing here is if you're experiencing pain and you, and you're doing all this stuff and you can't figure out what it's going on, it, it talking to someone that actually knows how the body talks to each other, like how the fascia, I guess, is all yeah. connected it is just so valuable. Like your you, the actual diagnosis of, yeah, my back hurts. Yeah. Or, yeah. I had this shin splint, but it's not my shin. It's not my back. It's, it's something well, else. Well, that's the thing, right? Like you could go into an office with any clinician and say, Hey, like this hurts, right? They say, Oh, okay. You have low back strain. Right. But the idea, if you don't have a clear mechanism of injury is like, why does it hurt in the first place? Mm-hmm. Or why does this thing keep coming up? Right. And so, um, you know, it's funny that you were, you were talking about like, um, you know, your toes, you know, if you just think about, um, you know, the self-maintenance at home, you know, you need to be thinking about planes of motion too, right? So if you know that, you know, my hamstrings are constantly, you know, under stress and duress, and this is part of my problem list, you know, you should be thinking in 3D space for plane of motion because hamstrings are going to influence a lot of that uh, posterior uh, retro motion, right? Like when we're running. But it's also going to be in the sagittal plane for, you know, the quads, right? And so this is why, you know, we might take a look at working front to back or, you know, from one side versus the other because these things are tied in. They're coupled motion. Um, and then under the FM model, it, it is it is very much like, hey, like that toe might be influencing what's going on upstream. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, are there any uh, specific principles that you're keeping in mind as you're assessing a situation like that? You mentioned, I know you just, you just said front to back and things like that, but um, from the from the how the fascia is connected in general, are there any specific principles that you're kind of always keeping in mind, connecting point A to point B or anything like that? Well, for us, um, you know, A, we need to frame out uh, what our workspace is. And so that's where like part of the evaluation is, not just palpating where someone is saying it hurts, but, you know, you know, chasing it down. Right. When you say palpating, what exactly uh, like we're, we're looking for trouble spots. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we'll do that a couple of different ways. We'll either feel what muscle and fascia are, you know, how you're responding to that and, or we'll load it. Right. And so this is where we'll do those table tests and we'll see like, okay, how does that feel to you when we do this? Right. Is it strong? Does it hurt? Is it kind of a combination of both? Um, but the idea though is, you know, the principles are we're going to chase down, not just where someone is complaining about, but we're going to frame out like how big or how small this problem is. Now we have our workspace. And then typically what we'll do is we'll think about working from outside to in and then not only outside to in, but we'll think about influencing, uh, balance. And so this is where I was talking about like planes of motion, right? Like, you know, if something is constantly hurting in the front, spend some time working that out for sure, but don't ignore something else that might be influencing it in the back. Mm-hmm. And so if you, you're, you're feeling around, well, somebody says they have a particular issue, you're feeling around, obviously that hurts. And then are you just kind of randomly going to other places or do you know what things are kind of connected to each other? Yeah. I mean, that's where, that's where like the FM stuff comes in. Mm-hmm. That's where clinical experience comes in. That's where, What's funny is whenever I went to school, like, uh, they didn't teach me, uh, Jack about, uh, being a business person. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they, they really like, um, in retrospect, like I just remember, uh, the idea of fascia was just uh, a throwaway topic, right? Like you kind of knew what it was, but you cut it away and you moved on to the next thing and you're studying the other stuff for an exam. Right. So it, it was all like, you know, all passion project basically of like educating myself and finding the right people to learn from so um, that I can make sense of like how to help someone. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that, that always drove me crazy. Cause I, I'd been a patient before too. And it's like, well, well yeah, like I understand my knee hurts, mm-hmm. but like, why does it hurt in the first place? Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's stable. There's no tear. Like, why does it hurt in the first place? Mm-hmm. And so that's what led me down, like chasing down this whole rabbit hole of fascia. Yeah, so to to quick overview, you find the issue, you with your with the professional's experience, you kind sure. of go outside, right? And you find the other areas. You kind of start on those and then you work and then maybe by the time you get to the problem point, maybe it's relieved. 
right at that point yeah is that that, accurate? That, yeah that's the idea with you know intercession we're expecting things are improving you're moving better we can load those better right to fill in the gaps mm-hmm. um and so in theory like over the course of like care you know that window that framework is going to become smaller and smaller the intensity is going to be reduced and then you know you would expect like someone's going to perform better right they're like hey it doesn't hurt whenever i'm doing this anymore mm-hmm. right so um but the idea though is um if where it hurts is like the center of gravity for that problem um by working on the ends and balancing it out we're kind of unkinking the chain so that coming towards it coming towards okay. it yeah yep. yeah that's how i was viewing it as yeah. well like it's like say the we're draw a circle here, right? Frank, I just wish I had your whiteboard, man. Um, <laughs> we have a circle, right? The problem's in the middle. Mm-hmm. We work from the outside of the circle, yeah. slowly but surely stepping forward toward, and by the time we get to the middle, maybe your problem's even resolved. Right. Possibly. Right. And, and so, yeah, we, like, 100%, like, our mantra is, like, all the pieces matter. Yes. And so it's like, you know, we will talk about old injuries, but we will look at areas where it might not make sense on, you know, at, at, on an obvious standpoint. A surf, from a surface from level a, perspective, right. you know. Yeah, you're like, hey, like, I'm coming in talking about right elbow pain. Why are you looking at my left shoulder? Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like we're looking for, like, why? Like, why is this influencing each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think it's important to keep that in mind how – because we, we started this whole conversation with, like, what is fascia? Yeah. It's this huge thing that covers your entire body. And they are all connected. And maybe one way to think about it is you have this giant spider web. Imagine you have a spider web that's covering your front door. And I snip a little piece in the upper right corner. Well, the lower left and somewhere in the middle and the upper left, they're all going to get affected yep. by that because it's this spider web that, that's all connected. Yep. And, and, you know, it's not just influencing uh, lines of stress. But, again, like we're thinking about, what is the healthy environment for everything else that exists in the fascia, mm. right? The nerves, the blood vessels, the capillaries, uh, the lymphatics, right? The muscles. Like, so it's, it's the idea is we're creating a great work environment for everything to function. Yeah. And, uh, man, that, that's kind of scary to think that if you're, um, and not scare anyone, but, <laughs> you know, you, you just list out a lot of very important things within our body. Yeah. And what you're saying is that, unhealthy fascia can lead to unhealthy this long list of things you just made is that well it would make sense though right Mm -hmm. because there there's so many things that are traversing through the fascia Mm -hmm. right and so um you know it's not like i can come in here and say definitively that it's influencing organ function sure but but you would know like just by the principles right Mm -hmm. of you know uh unhealthy fascia can have a negative effect on surrounding tissues that's like a no-brainer and so, um, you know, a lot of times people are coming in and they're doing the right things, but they're just not dosing it the right way to create a good work environment. Yeah. Cause I mean, foam rolling's pretty simple, but what you're saying is you got to do it consistently enough. They, they just, they just, I think they just need a better framework consistency mm-hmm. and then just thinking about the body, right? Like thinking about the body in a different way, right? Yeah. Like don't just hit where it hurts. Like, think about above and below the problem, and then, you know, maybe if it's even behind, because we're thinking about 3D space. Yeah, I have a terrible habit of that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and just focusing on, yeah, only where it hurts, versus all around it. Sure. Yeah. Super cool. Um, Frank, you've said it a couple of times. Let's get into fascial manipulation. Yeah. Um, how it started, where it came from, and then uh, principles, I guess, on how it works. Yeah, so um, this is one of the, the, I'm interested in all of this, but this is uh, something I've kind of been waiting for. So uh, this is uh, from the Stecco Institute in Italy. Um, there's only a handful of practitioners uh, trained in the states to teach it. Um, so I learned this under uh, my own like nerdy like rabbit hole, right? But uh, I ended up getting trained under it through uh, Sue Fasson's uh, Structure and Function uh, Continuing Ed, and so. Uh, the Stecco method basically started off uh, over in the 70s. Uh, Luigi Stecco was like this clinician who also spent so much time in the lab doing research. And mm-hmm. what did he research was fascia. Okay. That was his passion project. And he was interested in the idea of uh, like, why is it important and how can it help, you know, in a clinical perspective to help, you know, patients. Right. 
So he was on like the forefront of like all the things that we talked about. And so what ended up happening is under that method, through years and years of research and experience, they basically broke down the body into base components. And at each component, they realized, hey, like these lines of stress are converging at these points over and over again. And what's funny is like when uh, you look at dry needling courses or you look at acupuncture courses, there's a lot of overlap for the same areas, but they just call it different things for different reasons, right? right? And so um, they're not 100% one-to-one match, but there is a lot of overlap. Pretty close. And so uh, what ended up happening is uh, I've I've even watched a video of this guy like dissecting a a rabbit in the field, (laughs) and he was dissecting a rabbit in the field and you know going through fascia right like Mm -hmm. dissecting out the fascia just because he loved it right Right. um so uh in come the kids uh antonio and carla and they basically took up the reins whenever he stepped away and they have been running the show since and so carla is the the one who's in the in the lab and they're the ones doing dissections and research and that point of it and then antonio is the one who's going around the world teaching people how to do the clinical side of it. Super cool. Yeah. So it, it's, it's definitely a family affair. Yeah. That's a, that's, it's really cool that his kids kind of picked it up, you know, whenever he, I'm guessing he got old and decided to retire. Sure. And they said, no, we're going to keep this thing going. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're hearing about it now. I like that. Yeah. But you know, the idea behind it is, um, you know, it, it just gives a, a baseline perspective on where else to look in the body. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they have their own methodology. Like, uh, we've kind of touched base on some of it. Like, don't just go for the obvious, but, you know, think bigger picture. Um, and then, you know, from there, you know, they do have their own different, quote unquote, like set of principles of, you know, maybe how to rehab that problem. Mm-hmm. But this is where, like, being a clinician gives you the leeway to figure out, like, oh, I want to do it this way versus that. Right. Super cool, man. Well, um, if, people are having some issues where can they get a hold of you frank what's the best way to um get in to see mr frank and uh, get some professional help if you're having some of these issues uh usually people call first uh you know if they're interested uh, they can always sign up for uh you know a free discovery call mm-hmm. uh what i found was uh, people will sign up for a discovery call and they really liked whenever i'd offered them a zoom yeah <laughs> nice. uh, because then we can just like look at each other face to face and have a conversation um, and it, that's really like an opportunity for someone to share their story and then just us figure out like, Hey, am I a right fit for you? Or is there someone else I can point you to? Right. Um, and that's a, just a number they can call. Yeah. Uh, you want me to give them my number? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. Drop, uh, they can reach me digits, at 281 800 Uh, if they want to, they can always go on the website and book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's rebelmobilityfitness.com. Rebelmobilityfitness.com. Yeah, or if they want to email me, then they can email at rebelmobilityfitness at gmail.com. Okay, man. I love it. People get a hold of people get a hold of Frank and hold your stretches for longer than 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. Yeah. laughs> Overarching takeaways. Yeah. Right. Stretch yeah. longer. Yeah. 10 seconds man, in kind of cut I, it. I love every part of this. Frank, thanks for coming on again, man. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it. You're a repeat guest and anybody who's been watching would know mm-hmm. but uh man this one was um like phil i started off thinking that fascia and muscle muscle fascia was one word in my yes <laughs> in, that's in a great brand, way to put it one, yeah. it was a phrase like it was a thing it's like yeah. velcro yeah yeah, yeah. and so velcro, man. <laughs> i'm glad but um anybody else got anything before we close this thing out i did have a question sure. um does uh, you know how people will develop a crunch, I, I call it crunchy joints, you know, sure. um, does that have anything to do with fascia and how can you kind of like, uh, remedy that, you know? Yeah. So, uh, again, we're, if we're thinking about fascia, we're thinking about lines of stress mm-hmm. and those lines of stress are going to cross the body at joints. Okay. Right. And so, uh, crunchy joints, uh, probably implies like too much pressure at that joint creating, you know, whatever crunch you feel. Right. Okay. So, again, it may or may not come into play that it's an articulation problem where it's a, it's a joint moving on a joint problem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But if the joint is clear and it's moving freely, then that's where I would be thinking about connective tissue, fascia specifically, gotcha. and how, how stress above and below. Like the joint, it, the elbow is where it's crunchy. That's mm-hmm. where it's complaining. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's 
it's the root cause. Okay. Right. Could be like and the so tricep this, this or is the where shoulder. we're looking at the shoulder. We might go into the head. We might go into the hand. Really? Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is where like the professional help comes in. Right. Um, but you know, again, like we're just big proponents on do it yourself, right. Yeah. Be self-sufficient. Um, you know, the reason I was super excited to come in and share with you guys is because like, that's the idea. Like just get people to do things more consistently, but then also think about their bodies in a different way. Than, than what they probably have been doing. That's the big thing, I think, because for sure people are like, oh, my elbow joint, like what's going on with my elbow? But from what you're saying is we need to look above it, we need to look below it, we need to look behind it. Yep. And so that's thinking about your body from from a different perspective. Yep. We're coming from a different angle. We're going to try these things. And then I mean, when you t- do it yourself, I'm th- like, try things. Like actually try. Yep. And, and for a consistent amount of time, don't try it today and say it didn't work tomorrow. Right. We've all done that, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, try it for a consistent amount of time, maybe a couple yeah. weeks or something. Yeah, so, like, uh, whenever I've done workshops, um, I always uh, finish by asking people, like, just give me two weeks. Be mm-hmm. consistent mm-hmm. with it for two weeks, and then come back and tell me, like, it didn't uh, help you in some way, shape, or form. Uh, because, you know, the idea is, like, just get them to be on program and be responsible for their own, you know, well-being. Mm-hmm. And and they will notice a difference. And so if it, you have anything going on, two weeks above, below, and front, behind. Yep. Inside, outside, upside down. So, yep. <laughs> Left, Take right, control. <laughs> yeah. Take control. Uh, that's the, that's what Be, I'm getting. I'm, I'm getting out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last little tidbit is take control mm-hmm. of your own health, and there are professionals like Frank to help you out at RebelMobilityFitness.com. Yeah. And what I've noticed is by doing that, I am more motivated to stay in control because yeah. I know like. You know, I well one I know exactly what to do is to have the confidence to know that I'm doing the right things and I'm not wasting my time. Sure, because some of the stuff is like it's kind of boring. You yeah. know, like we talked about this earlier, yeah, right? Yeah, but you know but, that that's the part of it, right? Yeah. Like you you if if you are gonna live, you know, uh, the greatest version of yourself and and basically like you know be as functional and, and as active as you want to be, that means you have to put in the maintenance, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, I tell people this all the time, like dude, like you're a freaking Ferrari driving around with a handbrake on. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you need to, you know, you need to check the tire pressure. You need to check the fluid. You need, yep. you need to get it detailed for the yep. weekend. Right. Like you can't just, you know, drive all weekend long and ignore it during the rest of the week. Yeah. Although, I think Sean likes to consider himself a Porsche. A yeah. Porsche? Sean, yeah. Sean's yeah. like a Porsche. Yeah. 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 What kind of car would you consider yourself? <laughs> a Tesla truck. Oh, oh nice. 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 Okay. Very okay. nice. What about you, Daryl? Man, you know what, dude? I I don't even know. I don't know what I am. I'm thinking like a 1970 Chevelle SS. That's pretty sick. I yeah. like it. I like yeah. it. Pretty specific, right? Very, yeah. Very strong, powerful, American. Strong, powerful, yeah. very American. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. American. Yeah. So, guys. Loud and rowdy. We're going to clo- get loud and rowdy. <laughs> we're going to close this thing out because I need to go stretch. And I'm going <laughs> to be holding it for two minutes. Uh, Frank, thanks for coming on, yep. man. And um, y'all be sure to like, subscribe, tell your friends. And until the next time, we're out.